Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is a full-blown public health crisis. Schools are the ground zero of the vaping epidemic. I feel like I got the entire freshman class addicted to Julie, so that's on my conscience. They will tell you it is less harmful. What I always say is less harm does not equal harm less. If one in four of our future workforce and health of our community is going to change, we have to all get engaged. This is KRLD In-Depth. Hey, I'm John Little. Thanks for being here. And it's time to take a look at the underage vaping epidemic. And we're going to focus on, first of all, where it starts for so many who become addicted to nicotine, and that's in their schools. It's been in the news a lot. The CDC has confirmed more than 2,500 hospitalized lung illness cases linked to vaping. And that includes, of course, many young people. Overall, there have been 54 deaths linked to vaping nationwide. Now, one of those that was hospitalized was a North Texas teen, Anna Carey. Here's her story. So I am 16 years old. I'm a junior in high school. Um, I was hospitalized at Cook's Children because of vaping, and I actually left my high school because of vaping, and I'm now homeschooled. Um, I used to play volleyball and tennis. I was really active. I started vaping my freshman year. I used a Views Vibe, and I got it from a senior. It wasn't hard at all. It was really easy. I switched to the Juul a few months later just because it was the cooler thing to do. There's no really reason behind it. I would consistently get caught by my parents and I still vaped, I didn't care. Uh, summer going into my sophomore year, I stopped because I didn't have a source, no one could buy it for me. I started again when school started and seniors would buy it for me, my brother would buy it for me, anyone that's above 18 would buy it. It didn't matter, like it, literally no one would do it. And then I started to get it from my friends, and I feel like I got the entire freshman class addicted to jeweling. So that's on my conscience. It's pretty easy to get it. I was known for it. I lost so many friends because of it, and it's true, like, not everyone does it, but the majority of people that I know do it. It's kind of really hard to find someone that doesn't vape. The flavor did not matter to me personally. I can't speak for everyone, but usually when kids find the flavor they like, they stick with it. They don't switch around. Then I started getting random pains in my chest and I still continued to use it. Um, and then I switched to Enjoy because it was cheaper. And then a lot of my friends all switched to Enjoy too. And it's rare to find someone that jewels and that I know. Then I, my first day of my junior year, everyone came up to me to ask to buy from me and I didn't want to do that anymore. I was tired of the reputation because it kind of sticks with you. And so I left and became homeschooled, but now I could vape 24-7. And my siblings would buy it for me because I had withdrawals and you get really angry when you stop vaping. And yeah, I was completely broke, but any penny would go towards vaping. I figured out a system in my head that I needed $10 every four days, and I would go through two pods in four days-ish. I even told people, I'm not stopping till I'm hooked up. Um, about a month before I was hospitalized, I had random pains in my chest and I got an x-ray done and it came back clear. 
they gave me an inhaler and I didn't really use it. Um, then one day I was cleaning my room and all the energy was completely drained from me. I was exhausted. And I, I laid in bed for two days with the worst pain I've ever felt in my entire life. I went to Cook's Children. They did an EKG and a x-ray and they both came back clear. I went home with no medication, laid in bed for about five more days with the worst pain. And just I basically hoped it went away. I also cut back on vaping when that happened and I only did it about three times a day just to feed the addiction, but I severely cut down. Then I went to a basketball game with a friend and I couldn't even go up a flight of stairs. It felt like I was running a marathon. It was awful, I just couldn't catch my breath. Then the next day I went to urgent care. They sent me to a hospital and they said I had pneumonia. Then they sent me in an ambulance to Cook's Children and they diagnosed me with the chemical induced pneumonia in both my lungs. It was the worst pain I've ever felt in my entire life. You don't realize how much you need to breathe till you can't anymore. And I couldn't move without a shoot of pain going straight into my chest. Your lungs don't fully go back to the way they were, so like everyone's oxygen level is about 97 to 100, and mine's like around a 93 and won't really recover from that. So this illness in some way is going to affect her for the rest of her life. Now, Dr. Karen Schultz is Director of Pulmonary Services at Cook Children's Medical Center. So my first experience uh, taking care of patients like Anna was this summer when a lot of these cases came to light. Uh, all the publicity started really up in the north and Wisconsin um, area. Um, and then we really started seeing the cases here in the Fort Worth area. Um, unfortunately, Anna's story has, is not the only one that we have seen. Um, and I'm glad for Anna that hers was not as bad as some of the ones that we have seen, uh, but a few of the cases uh, have definitely required um, intensive care uh, and uh, support with ventilators in order to keep them alive through their episode. Some of those were related to just nicotine inhalation. Some of these cases have been related to inhalation of the marijuana oils. And I think the one thing that we have come to realize more and more as pediatric physicians, which this is not what pediatric physicians are normally doing, is dealing with the nicotine addiction part of this. Um, and patients like Anna who are in the hospital and who all of a sudden we've taken away the substance that they are addicted to and trying to figure out how to help them through that hospitalization and once they go home to stay off of these products. Uh, because it's easy to fall back into habits um, of smoking the substances that we're addicted to. From Anna's story, we learn, of course, her illness was caused by vaping. It was driven by and got out of control because of her addiction to nicotine. Some numbers, almost 28% of high school students and 10% of middle school students use e-cigarettes. There's been a 78% increase in vaping among high school students between 2017 and 2018, just one year. And we'll see where the numbers go when they come in for 2019. Why the big increase is the question. Well, Senator John Cornyn blames marketing. This is a full-blown public health crisis, and we need to recognize it as such. And we're not talking about informed choices made by consenting adults. We're talking about a campaign to addict children to nicotine and an unregulated business which may include uh, smoking things that are put in open vaping pods 
and that uh, children innocently believe will be of no harm uh, to them. Well, Anna's story is, is very compelling, but it, the, the rise in number of uh, children who are using this product is simply uh, alarming and something we need to get our arms around. At very minimum, we need to agree that if it's illegal for children under the age of 18 to buy tobacco, they ought not to be able to buy uh, e-cigarettes, which do nothing but deliver an addictive chemical called nicotine. Now, on Friday, December 27th, President Trump signed a spending package that rolled into it, uh, included raising the age to purchase tobacco products, and that includes vaping products, from 18 up to 21. And that begins in the summer of 2020. In Texas this year, we became one of 19 states to raise the age for purchasing tobacco and e-cigs from 18 to 21. But there are some questions. Who really is in Enforcing this. Who's going to the vaping shops and the retailers to ensure these products aren't sold to minors? That's Stephen Love. He's the president and CEO of the DFW Hospital Council. We need to have real enforcement so that if there are shops that are vapor shops and they sell to minors, they lose their license, their sales tax license. They lose their license to sell these products. He says youth e-cigarette use is a huge concern for his council. There's been a rapid increase in the young people. And I'm talking about middle schoolers, junior high, high school, and even first uh, freshmen and sophomores in college have used more and more of these products and there's been a big increase. There may be people that are being helped that are adults that are trying to get off of combustible products, but the real increase and the real surge has been in the young people. Let's dive more into marketing for a second because Vinny Tanea is the director of public health for Tarrant County, and he sees huge inconsistencies in the reality of e-cigs versus the marketing that he's seeing and hearing. Last summer, the radio, uh, newspaper, everything blew up with these public service announcements from Juul. Uh, if you were in the metro area, you heard them, these heart-touching stories of how Juul helped people change their life and quit smoking and all those type of things. And I'm like, well, this is very deceptive marketing because what we were seeing from our school partners were devices that were clearly geared towards kids, USB sticks, smart watches, you open it up and it's a vaping device, flavors abound. So this was very, very deceptive. You're saying that we're here for the public good, but under the table, you're you know, pushing it to the kids. Because you're hearing all these different stories and different perspectives that it really needs to be strongly regulated and their marketing has to be regulated. Because if, if you hear that ad, you're gonna want to pick up the jewel. Because it was so good, it was a very heart-touching story and full-page ads in the Star-Telegram for several weeks on end. One of the biggest criticisms of the vaping industry is the proliferation of flavored vape juices. We saw adolescent smoking drop significantly when we got flavors out of all cigarettes. Um, that is something that I think we need to keep focusing on and not shy away from. That's Dr. Tracy Barnett from the University of North Texas Health Science Center School of Public Health. Even if we can't go to an all or nothing, I know some of the argument is that a smoker needs something to be different. Maybe they don't want the taste of tobacco. But I think it's important we understand that there are 3,500 flavors right now I and mean, we can't keep up. So even if all flavors can't go, I think we definitely could limit the number of flavors to a really small number that we maybe know a little more about them. I also think, again, around advertising and flavors that as the adults in the room, we know that gummy bear 
we know that cotton candy is not intended for the 20-year Marlboro smoker. So it's okay that we talk about how important this might be for adult smokers, but I think we still need to wear that hat of, but let's be reasonable about what that looks like for the adult smoker, and let's, let's not let children be targeted like I think they are being targeted. Now, you're going to hear even more from Dr. Barnett as we move on, but one of the most striking things about her statement was that there are 3,500 flavors. Can you imagine that? 3,500. And here's why she sees that as dangerous. These flavors are approved for eating, but there's been no testing. There's no science around if they're safe for inhaling. Um, cinnamon's a good example. Cinnamon in a red hot is wonderful to eat, um, but we know that it burns the cells of the lung. So we know that when it's inhaled, it's a completely different product. And so that's for sure something that we could keep moving forward with research and legislation around these flavors. Yeah, it's something I've never considered. Flavors came up again and again and again. But Stephen Love points out that even the vaping devices and the design of those vaping devices sometimes tips off that they're really not marketing to adults here. You know, for the manufacturers to say we make it look like thumb drives and we make it look like pens and uh, vapor pens, etc., and we're not marketing to young people, in my opinion, they're being very disingenuous. So sometimes the very vaping device is designed to hide the fact that you're vaping. And that begs the question, if you're an adult legally vaping, who are you hiding it from? Dr. Barnett is one of those on the front lines. She talks with teens in schools about vaping. One thing I don't think our public is aware, although this would be great new legislation, we still have a product that is not regulated. So I don't think our public fully understands that our e-cigarette products themselves are not yet regulated. I know we're trying to make some efforts towards changing that, but I think that's one thing our public doesn't understand. And we renormalize when we allow shops to open and advertising to occur, and we send the message that we do know what's in these and that they're okay. And that's, that's really a message that we need to work on trying to dial back a little, because we don't know still what's in these, and we don't have legislation and regulations in place to manage the product itself. When I present this to kids and I talk to them about no regulations, I tell them that the flavors aren't regulated and the oils aren't regulated and really nothing about the product is, I will always have at least one child who raises their hand and very innocently says, why? And I don't have an answer for that every time they ask me that. It's a really, it's a really concerning and fair question from a kid. Their message is, these are safer, these are not like cigarettes, these are okay because they're everywhere. And we as adults have to figure out what the answer is to that innocent why. And Stephen Love has more on this. I think the other thing we need to do is move them under tobacco regulations. They are not under tobacco regulations currently. They need to be because they contain that common denominator, nicotine, that's very addictive. The other thing we need to do is tax them. We need to tax the product and use the proceeds, if you will, to help educate not only uh, young people, but all people, especially the parents, on the dangers associated with becoming hooked on electronic products. Now, Senator Cornyn says the regulation of the products lies underneath the jurisdiction of the Federal Drug Administration and thus the Trump administration. Senator Romney uh, from Utah in particular, I know, has taken the lead on some of these flavored products. Uh, those get a little more controversial. Um, as you as you might know, but we just uh, are in the process of confirming a new director of uh, the Food and Drug Administration, Dr. Hahn from MD Anderson Hospital. As was mentioned earlier, the FDA already has a lot of authorities 
they can use in regulating some of these products. We voted years ago to let to have them regulate tobacco products because it is an addictive drug and because of its carcinogenic properties. It remains to be seen how much the administration and particularly the new FDA um, commissioner will embrace that public safety role, and I'll certainly be there encouraging him, him as much as I can. One bill that's evidently close to being passed is the Preventing Online Sales of E-Cigarettes to Children Act, and it would make it tougher to take delivery on a product ordered online. So maybe you're able to order something online just by clicking on the box that says you're over 18 or over 21, depending on where it is. But then when you take delivery, you have to show with a legal ID that you're of the legal age to purchase it. There's a version of it that's already passed the House of Representatives. And uh, now Senator Feinstein, a Democrat from California, and I are the chief co-sponsor of this, of this in the Senate. Again, all we're trying to do is to close this online sales loophole where people are buying the product without demonstrating that they are of legal age and without a signature. That's what you have to do when you buy tobacco online, and that's what you should have to do when it comes to e-cigarettes. Now, as of December 27th, it has not passed the Senate, and Senator Cornyn was asked if there was pushback, just in general, from the vaping industry as regulation is voted on. Of course. There's a lot of money to be made, and if you've got a product and you can addict your uh, consumer to that product, well, you've got a guaranteed stream of income for a long time. That ought to scare all of us. So until there's regulation, the fight to keep products out of the hands of teens really comes back to the boots on the ground, doesn't it? I mean, e-cigs are popular. There's no doubt about that. But when Dr. Barnett talks to schools, she really takes a different approach. Listen to how she puts it. We really took hold of this 78% increased statistic. And I agree, this is an epidemic. It is alarming. The problem is, again, the public doesn't fully understand when we release a statistic like that. And I can't tell you how many parents came to me and said, oh my gosh, 80% of kids are using these. And it took me a while to figure out what study they were quoting until I realized they weren't. They were focused on that 78% increase. So when I talk to kids especially, but I think parents and all of us need to be careful with this message, 27.5% is alarming. It's still just over one in four. And when I talk to kids, what kids are hearing then is everyone is doing this, and what a teen doesn't need to hear is except you. That really affects a teen. So when I talk to them, I say three and four are not doing this. I mean, we need to keep addressing the epidemic. I'm not saying we shy away from that, but we really need to focus on how many kids aren't. That's how we flip the norms around this again, because we're all as the adult saying, everyone's doing this, and we need to be cautious with that. It's a great point. Even though it's on the increase, far more high schoolers do not vape than do. The American Heart Association is also taking a very active role. They're going into schools. Cami Thompson is with the American Heart Association of Tarrant County. Nationally, we hosted a, a superintendent's roundtable in November. The purpose of the group was really to understand what was driving this epidemic and to walk away with some action steps on things that we could do collectively to make a difference. One of the superintendents said that the schools are ground zero. So when you think about an outbreak of an epidemic and there's a ground zero, schools are the ground zero of the vaping epidemic. So we know that our, our teachers and our coaches and our administrators, they're in the trenches, they're at ground zero. 
and we have to equip them with the tools so that they can educate their students. In Tarrant County, we have a relationship with over 200 schools here in, in Tarrant County. And so in partnership with Spark and Toby Jackson, we will be hosting a school dialogue for all 19 school districts in the first part of 2020. And we'll also be hosting some parent dialogues as well. These will help students and parents understand what it is that they're facing and what they're seeing. Last week, we launched a campaign called Quit Lying. And it's a campaign that's by kids, for kids, and the approach is around um, helping kids understand that they need to stop vaping. But if you tell a child not to do something, they're most likely going to do it, right? And you can't have that parental tone of voice. So instead, if you tell children that um, big tobacco companies think you're stupid and that you are going to um, really like that gummy bear flavored vaping and try it, and they, you know, sadly, they think you're going to do that. If they, they kind of get their back up and they're like, no, no, I'm not. Don't you tell me I'm stupid. And so this whole campaign is around helping kids say to Big Tobacco, kind of turning the page and saying, stop lying. Stop telling us that it's okay to vape, that it's not harmful. Stop telling us all of those lies. This will give kids a voice so that they can stand up to the Big Tobacco companies. So the American Heart Association site is quitlying.org, and it takes users through what they call the lies and then the facts about vaping and vaping companies, and then encourages users to sign a letter demanding that vaping companies quit lying. And then you can also share personalized quit lying memes on social media as well. Wrapping it up, Stephen Love with kind of a bottom line from the people that I talked to, a common thread. Look, I'm not here saying ban the product. I know that's a difficult discussion to have. All I'm saying is let's regulate the product so that we can protect our young people. It's a serious subject, and we are still in the very early stages of what I'm sure will evolve year over year. So we're certainly going to follow it here at KRLD. Thanks for listening to KRLD In-Depth. I'm John Little. You can subscribe on radio.com or wherever you get your podcast and also listen to us on the radio, 1080 AM for breaking news and traffic and weather together on the 8th. Thanks for listening to KRLD In-Depth. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 